The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, we have a very fascinating guest with the most interesting biography I have ever seen. He's <laughs> We're going to talk about your biography, sir. Wes Schaefer, the sales whisperer. I'm going to read your biography, but I'm going to jump in here. I have it on my cell phone, so forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, boys <laughs> and girls. Wes Schaefer is the sales whisperer, a pig-headed entrepreneur. Stop right there. What in the world do you mean by pig-headed? <laughs> well, just like it sounds, you know, I, I got it from Chet Holmes, the ultimate sales machine. And um, I know uh, one of his partners, Ted. And uh, yeah, I read that. I was like, yep, that's me, pig-headed. I mean, I'm, I may not be smart, but I'm stubborn. You, you remember a full metal jacket? You know, he's silly and he's ignorant, but he's got guts and guts. Yes, I remember. I'm a joker. <laughs> Got guts, and that's that's enough. A big <laughs> entrepreneur who rehabilitates salespeople and trains their managers. He's a measuringly, a reassuringly, excuse me, that's right, a reassuringly expensive copywriter. I love that. In what <laughs> way is being expensive reassuring? Well, deep down, people. I mean, we, we like nice things, right? And I've always said people will pay for two things, exclusivity and experiences. Ah. Okay. And, and when you charge more, you can create a better experience, a better buying experience. Look at, look at Nordstrom's, right? You, they, have, they have shoppers, right? Personal concierge that'll guide you right. through the store, bring you a coffee. And so that kind of experience, you know, so it's, it's interesting. I've, I've trained people and I've done it myself. One time, it was years ago, I was talking to a company and it was, it was a $32 million company. They were a subsidiary of a billion dollar company and they needed some help. And the, the help that they needed, like if I'm working with a small business local, I know the people, you know, I might've done it for five or $6,000. It wasn't hard uh, stuff I do all the time. But the more I spoke with them, I realized if I was too low, I would appear to be too small. Right. And big companies think they have big problems and must pay big money to solve big problems. So as we talked, I came up with the fee of $21,000 and they didn't bat an eye. (laughs) 
they didn't bat an eye. I'm like, God, I could have gotten 35,000. Know? Uh, that's a wonderful way to think that you're not afraid that you're just outrageously willing to go out there and charge what you think you're worth because it creates the perception that indeed you are worth that. You're studying the frame. Well, it is. Yeah. And, and there's two ways to look at it. I mean, one, I could say I'm $50,000 for anything that I do, or I, I like to meet the prospect where they are. Right. And, and price it based on the value that I bring. You know, I, I, I was training 15 of their people. Uh, I ended up flying out uh, to another state. Uh, we, we did some work ahead of time. I, uh, I did a, a one day session in person, answered their questions, you know, for a month afterwards, just, you know, they could text me, call me, whatever. Um, and so it wasn't a whole lot of work. Again, it's what I've done for 15 years. And, but with, with 15 people, okay. If I help them get 3% better, right. On, on a, on a $30 million company. That's a lot of money, right? A so even, lot of scraps. That's a yeah. That's even, a, so, so twenty one grand for that assistance, you know, it wasn't outrageous, and and we did move the needle. Uh, so, you know, charge according to the value that you provide. I love that. You know? That's the first mic drops. Charge according to the value provided. Let me continue with your um, very interesting biography. You rehabilitate salespeople and trains their managers. Reassuringly expensive copywriter, sought after speaker. I could definitely see that. Marketing automation expert. He's the author of, does this say 2.5 or 25 books? 2.5. You are deliberately provocative. I love you, man. We're going to have a great time. 2.5 books on sales. What's a half of a book? Uh, It's another one I'm working on. Good, good. Marketing CRMs host of the sales podcast, host of the CRM Sushi podcast, and he will help you grow by mastering the overlooked truth in life that to make any sale, you must make every sale. Whoa. Right there is an interesting topic. What in the Haiti do you mean by that? Because people say it's a numbers game, but you're saying, no, to make any sale, you have to make every sale. There's got to be something juicy inside of that. So let's unpack that. Yeah, it's um, I've got a, a graphic that I use that talks about dating equals sales as a pipeline, right? Because in sales, we're familiar with pipelines and stages, right? But I, I literally met my wife at a country bar in 1994 here in Southern California. And so now I, I didn't go dancing to find a wife. Right. But let, let's say that was my ultimate goal. Let's say that's that's the ultimate sale. Right. That's the ultimate close. I get it. So before I even got in my car to drive to the bar. I pulled out some clean clothes. Right. I shined my boots. I shaved. I showered. I put on deodorant. I put on I brushed my teeth, put on cologne, but not too much cologne. Each of those is a sale. Got it. Right. As I approach my wife and ask her to dance, that's a sale. So to make to make any sale, you must make every sale. Every step of the way, everything matters. We size up one another in a split second. True. Okay. So I could have walked up, smacked her on the butt, and said, "Let's go dance, little honey." 
maybe she would have liked that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe her dad and her brother, who she was with, <laughs> would have kicked my butt. Right. So each of those. So to make any sale, you must make every sale. People, they, I talk to salespeople all the time. They go, I'm really great. Once I get in front of a, of a prospect, like that's your job is to get in front of a good qualified prospect. Right. It's like, so, so you're saying like, basically you're, you're a good uh, presentation giver. Right. right? Like, what is that? You know, I can hire a, a, a minimum wage person to, to present my slide deck. Correct. Right. So how do you get in front of that person? How do you find, what does your email say? You know, what does your social media profile look like? How do you communicate with these people? So if you want to make that sale, you better make every sale. Got it. So you're segmenting each piece and saying each piece has to be nailed down and ready or it's forget about it. That's that's a brilliant way to look at it. Yeah, because people think sales is this esoteric thing, right? But you know, have you ever watched how it's made like on History Channel or Discovery Channel? Yes, yes. You know, I mean, something as simple as a paper clip. It's it's an elaborate process. I mean, they're getting the the steel or the aluminum, whatever type of metal, it's a big ingot. They'll they'll heat it, they'll stretch it, they'll run it through these machines. You know, it'll cut it at a specific time. It'll it'll wrap it at a at a certain uh circumference, you know. That's it's a paper. You you throw away a paper clip. You, you won't bend down to pick up a paper clip. But the, the science and the engineering that goes into making a paper clip is blows most people's mind. Correct. Right. And so, and if those things aren't being spit out at the right time, they're not they're not lined up appropriately to fit in the box. Whoop, stop the presses. People get laid off. Tens of thousands of dollars are lost. It's the same thing with a sale, but people don't want to break it down. What are the steps? Where is this? Here's your pipeline. I see you're getting, you have no problems with stages one to three. Things are getting held up at four. Uh, then, okay, you get to seven, okay. If you can get them to nine, pretty much you get to 10 and close them. But you got some gaps in here. What's happening? Well, I don't really know, boss. It's just, I think it's just the market, just a bad time. Bull crap. Break it down, figure it out. But people usually don't do that. You know, the mediocre people, they don't do that. That's why they're mediocre. This almost sounds, you brought up engineering, but it sounds like very much an engineer's approach. Did you look at each element to see what's nominal and what's not, and then you adjust it? Where did you learn to think so methodically? Is this a natural skill, or did you have someone you modeled, or how did you learn to be so methodical in your approach? It's a little bit, yeah, a little bit of all the above. Um, I've, I've always been like an, an efficiency freak. Um <clears throat> It's funny, I'm, I'm friends with my ninth grade ancient world history teacher. <laughs> uh, so we're friends on Facebook, right? And in 1984, I was a freshman in his class, and I was on the football team, and this was in Houston, Texas, so I had to commute all the way into, into downtown Houston, from the outskirts of Houston. So long commute, back and forth, I'm playing football, I'm just jammed up with time, and this guy would would get off on these tangents, right? He loved his subject and, but he would do a review. He would do a test review the day before the test. And he got off on one of his tangents and I raised my hand. I was like, Mr. Mabry, is this going to be on the test tomorrow? And he said, well, Mr. Schaefer, uh, it, it is not on the test. And I was like, 
you know, I was polite, but I was like, could we please focus on the test for tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yes. And so from then on, the rest of the year, we had, you know, it, it was the Schaefer theory of relevancy. So like the theory of relativity. <laughs> He would literally look at me and say, Mr. Schaefer, may we proceed <laughs> on, on test on test review days, right? Schaefer so, relevancy. I love this. So I was always like, it's like, let's let's get whatever we have to get done, let's get it done. Okay. And so, and yeah, I did I went to the Air Force Academy and uh it's all math and engineering. I don't if you're an English major, you're still taking. Yeah. Eight or eight or ten engineering classes plus calculus plus physics. I mean, so it's it's going to be beaten into your head one way or another. Um, so I did. I had that formal training, uh, but then just being, I got in sales as soon as I got out of the military in '97, and and I was just always, again, just trying to break it down. It's like why I was always curious, you know, what what makes people tick. Um, I've you know, I got married. We've got seven kids. My wife's been home. For seven kids. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, and my wife's been home for 27 years. So it's like I had mouths to feed, right? I, I couldn't keep my head in the clouds and pontificate. It's, yeah, like, it. it's like, what can I learn today that'll help me make a sale tomorrow? Let's, let's go, go, go. So it's always been my approach. Thank you. I always like to figure out how, not just what, my think but how they come to think that way their process for thinking i'll finish your biography now i promise <laughs> but it's it's just so interesting and forgive me folks for looking at the phone my printer doesn't work all right uh i think i i got it i got your biography so i want to know what is the number one job of a salesperson it is not to sell uh, people think, you know, that they got to sell and, you know, the, a sale like losing weight is a lagging indicator. What does that mean? So let's say you, you've got a big reunion coming up, you know, in 90 days and you want to lose 30 pounds to make your, your exes all jealous. So in 90 days, you, you can't wait to measure what you're doing until that 90th day. The 90th day, when you get on that scale, it reflects your effort and your discipline or lack thereof for each of the 90 days leading up to it, right? You can, you can map out, and there's free programs. You say, hey, here's how much I weigh. Here's, here's the weight I want to get to. Here's my goal. Here's the, the number of days, blah, blah, blah. I say, okay. You can have 2,200 calories a day. So then if you stay on track every day, then that lagging indicator, your weight at the end of 90 days, tells the story. Were you disciplined in that time? So making a sale is a lagging indicator. Did you do the right things in the right order? Did you make every sale Leading up to it, if if you're in a complex sales scenario, right? You're selling B to B. You're it's a right. it's a two week, two month sales cycle. You've got to get buy in from three or four or seven different people. They may be in two different cities, two different states, two different continents. The sale 
is a lagging indicator. If you did, you know, the 37 things right leading up to that. So a salesperson's ultimately their number one job is to prospect. Okay. You've got to find people, qualified people um, that can, that can buy what it is you have to sell. And you, those people have to be in pain, right? They've got to have an itch. Yeah. They can't scratch. Right. And it's our job to make them uncomfortable, to, to hold that mirror in front of them and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I agree with you. This is brilliant. So listen to what he just said. He said, it's our job as salespeople to make our prospects uncomfortable. This completely flies in the face of the traditional, you got to get rapport, man, 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 get people to like you, blah, 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 blah. So I love your contrarian mindset. Talk a little bit more about making the prospect uncomfortable because it's so opposite and contrarian. Yeah, and, and it doesn't mean that you're rude or pushing them around or yelling at them, right? When, when you go to a doctor, you get uncomfortable, right? Awesome. They, they, they stick the thermometer in your mouth. They put the blood pressure cuff on you, make you get on a scale. Then, all right, get in the office, strip down, put this robe on that doesn't quite fit, sit on that crinkly paper, and yeah, it's cold, but hey, suck it up. The doctor will be in when he gets in. So, and because they need access to you, right? They're doing an examination, and the doctor could be the nicest person in the world. You know, you're still it's just a little bit awkward in that situation. So in sales, it's our job to ask questions that the prospect can't answer. Okay? Because if they knew the answers, they wouldn't have to meet with you. Okay? Oh, my elbow hurts and, and my elbow does hurt, but I know how I hurt it in jujitsu, right? But let's just say it just randomly started hurting. So I'm going to get on Google, elbow pain. Oh, me, tennis or swinging an axe or you're old, right? Whatever. So did you fall? They're going to start asking questions. No, I didn't fall. I didn't play any sports. You know, did I, I don't have any food allergies. So you're going, all right. So now you go to the next best thing. You go to Facebook. Hey, everybody, why would my elbow hurt? And you get 37 different answers. And you're like, ah. Uh, all right, so you change your diet, you drink more water, you, you ice it, you heat it, blah, blah, blah. doesn't get better. Finally, you're like, I got to go see an expert. Then you pay the money, you pay the copay, you go to a chiropractor, you go to your, your family uh, you know, practitioner, get some x-rays. Now you start diving in because you couldn't find the answer. Right. Our prospect, we prove our competency by the questions that we ask. Okay, if I just show up and, hey, Paul, I'm an Air Force guy, engineer background, and I do all this stuff, and I work with CRMs, and I've got a podcast, and I've sold a bunch of stuff, and I'm really smart, and I'm really good, and my fee's $50,000, and you should pay me, or you're an idiot. You'd be like, who is this guy? Right? So how we engage, you know, what's going on, Paul? How can I help? What seems, what does the doctor say? What seems to be the problem? And they'll have the chart. They'll have your your whole history. The the PA already asked the questions. Why are you coming in? Tell me about it. How long has this been an issue? But the doctor's got everything, but they want to hear it from you. Hey, Paul, how you doing? What's going on? Man, my elbow hurts. Wow. Okay. Let me take a look. Moves it around. 
And and his bedside manner, literally his bedside manner, is what convinces you to know, like, and trust him. Right. Right. His process from his whole staff, how do they answer the phone? Right. Dr. West's office, we're the best. You're going to pay us 50 grand, whether you like it or not. You're like, I'm not calling them. Right. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're back. Come on in. Let's, I'm going to squeeze you right in. Everything, how they answer the phone, how they greet you. What does the lobby look like? The waiting room. How does the PA treat you? What at all they're making it. The doctor's making a sale because you can still say, Hey, I want to get a second opinion. Okay. But when he asked those questions, Hey, tell me, does it hurt when you, when you lift it up, but not down or yeah, actually it up hurts down. Does not Okay. We'll do this. And because he's asking very precise questions and right. he's paying attention to the end, he's listening, right? I now feel heard and understood. Now I'm going to trust the diagnosis and the prescription. Right. Okay. Right. And you have to get them, you have to get them to trust that you have the best diagnosis before they're even going to listen to your prescription. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. We have to, we have to get the prospect uncomfortable. You know, I just, I just found out a couple of days ago, speaking of high school, a high school classmate just died of a heart attack. I'm so sorry. You know, I'm sorry. and you know, and we buddies are everywhere, all over the country. We got a text thread going. It's like, Holy crap. You know? And so you think about it. What if, what if, what if doctors made cold calls? Right. I said, Hey, Paul, this is Dr. West. You don't know me, uh, but we've got some information here. I, I see you're a certain age. Uh, yeah, can you confirm, you know, just say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in that range. Uh, let me ask you something real quick, if you don't mind. Have you noticed maybe uh, shortness of breath? Uh, are you winded when you go up and down, go up and down stairs? Uh, are you finding it uh, difficult, you know, to fall asleep? When you lay on your left side, are you noticing any kind of tingling or numbness? You're like, yes. Like, I don't want to alarm you, but could you come in today? You'd be like, I'm canceling everything and coming in. Right. Because he's asking very specific questions. Right. We as salespeople, we should know by doing a little bit of research. The, like I, I used to sell um, uh, high tech that was very beneficial, very specific for hospitals uh, for manufacturing dirty facilities, um, uh, financial services, high security, because the way the equipment was, was housed, uh, it, it was secure. It was clean. Okay. And so by, I could target hospitals and say, do you have a problem with, with uptime in operating rooms? Cause everything's all digital now, Right. And so do you have issues with cleanliness? Do you have issues with security? Because all the HIPAA, right? Medical uh, records. Right. Uh, you know, Absolutely. and, and if, if that little scanner that they're using, blah, 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 I got somebody in the operating room and the computer breaks, a guy's got to scrub in. They got to have a spare unit. The patient is, is under anesthesia for longer, right? So I could narrow, I could ask these specific questions. They go, yes, yes, yes. Would you like to solve that problem? <laughs> yes. When would you like to meet? Okay. So by, by prospecting, but it's not, I'm not just throwing mud at the wall, right? I would, 
uh, I'm calling hospitals. I'm calling CIOs. I'm calling IT directors uh, with very specific questions. And they're like, yeah, let's meet, man. Like, man, I feel like you're reading my mind. Well, yeah, if you do a little bit of research, you can read their mind because you know the issues that a statistically significant portion of your audience faces. So now you just got to go solve them, you know? So it seems like, I'm sorry, please continue. I didn't mean to step up. Oh, I was going to ask why, to, you know, our, our number one job is to prospect. Right. And to do it with precision is, uh, I love this because Again, from my perspective, oh, we don't know each other, but from my perspective, you do have the mind of an engineer. It's very much an engineering kind of perspective. And so you're bringing precision to the table. And it sounds to me for people to use what you teach, they have to either, they have to take on the willingness to be precise. Yes. And and look, it's hard, right? This is, it's it's a mental effort to go through this. Uh, and you know, I've got a client right now I'm reaching out to after this, been working with them for about five weeks and they've gone dark. You know, they, they, they paid me and they go dark. And I'm like, I know this is hard, but not doing it is even harder. Right. They've, been doing this. they've been plowing ahead with sticky notes and whiteboards and just grunting it out for 18 years, you know, but documenting things and streamlining them so you can then automate it. It's hard work, but once you do it, you never have to do it again. Yep. That's the beauty of it. Yep. I get it. Tell me, and and it seems to me like your answers you've given so far have already given us a clue. What is a sales dog? (laughs) So I was looking up, um, so the, the concept is like from the military, I don't, I don't want somebody to sneak up on me. Right. In the air force, you know, you have a wingman, right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Were you a pilot? Forgive me just for interjecting. No, I was just, right. no, I was a meteorologist. Okay. Um, but you know, in the military, they talk about, I've got your back, right. Or check six, check six means right. Look behind you. Okay. <clears throat> um, I, I did, I, I got an interesting flight in an F-16 in, in the winter of, it was the winter of 91-92. Wow. Um, wow. It was, it was my senior year at the academy. We were in Utah at Hill Air Force Base, and it was a 16-ship training mission, so 16 F-16s. Wow. And it was awesome. So uh, we're flying with our with our wingman, and we were we were the, the wingman to, to the lead and we're in this Valley and we're going in for a bombing run. So what they do, they, they go low, of course. And so it's an air to ground bombing run. So they'll, they'll fly up to the mountain because the target was on the other side of the mountain. So they'll pop up and then go invert it and dive down and let gravity drive that bomb. Well, so they, they told me that part, but what they didn't tell me, so we're probably half a mile apart in this valley. And so my the plane I'm in, the guy to hard banks it super hard. Um, I don't know how many G's. I don't know if my memory is foggy or you just, you know, start the fish gets bigger and bigger. Uh, it was at least six G's. And I think it was nine G's. 
Yeah, don't pull up the nine. The F-16. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And it was only for like two seconds, right? Three seconds. So so we're going, and and he turns hard, and then and then comes back in line. And I was, when we were done, I was like, what the hell was that? Right. And he's checking six. He's making sure that there's no bad guys coming in to intercept them. Okay. So, so the the reason I tell you that is you, you want to close off all of the outs, close off all the seal off all the exits. So the enemy is, there's only one way to go. Okay. So in sales, I don't, if I don't address the issues ahead of time, and in any sale, there's only a handful of issues. Can you, you tell the, us what those are? Yeah. And so it's like, are, are you the decision maker? Right. Right. Like, let's say you're, you know, you're selling solar or life insurance, or whatever. You give this wonderful presentation to the spouse and they go, okay, well, when my husband or wife gets home, I'll, I'll leave me some info and I'll go over it with them. Oh, there's nothing you can do. Right. So so money, you know, is there a need? They, they may want to know about the history of my company, maybe a warranty service availability. You know, there's only like a handful of major issues that really have to be addressed regardless of what you sell. So if, if I'm on the phone and, you know, so let's say I'm selling those, uh, the IT services and technology to hospitals, you know, and I, I get the CIO on the phone and okay, yes, I'm interested. So now I'm not going to say who makes the decisions there. So here's where the art comes in. Tell us. Right. So I'm talking to the IT director and I'm, so I go, Hey, when you're considering uh, a major infrastructure change such as this, who on your team do you delegate this to, or who on your team do you bounce this off of, or, or who on your team do you need to get buy-in from uh, to make sure this, you know, the, the trial and, and the implementation goes well? Oh, well, yeah, well, that's Paul. Paul runs the servers. Uh, Mary runs the client side on the desktop. Uh, I, I got to bring Joe in as well. What does Joe do? Well, Joe's the CFO. Okay. So, all right, so we're, we're you know, we're going to meet next week. What would it take to get Joe and Paul and Mary in that meeting? Because, you know, we're going to have a lot of questions. This is kind of complex, covers a lot of things. And we don't need the telephone game going on and things get lost in translation. Can, can we get them in on that meeting? Right? So now I'm addressing who makes the decisions. Right. Okay. Bam. So that door gets closed. Right. And so you're then, doing something else that's brilliant. Forgive me. You're doing something else that's really brilliant that I want to point out. That I don't know that our audience heard, but I'm going to catch it and, and bring it into the light. You didn't say, will you or could you do this? You said, what would it take to? Which presupposes that it's going to happen. That little bit of precise language makes all the difference. So I just want to. Small, small hinges swing big doors. Whoa, whoa, small hinges swing big doors. That's a brilliant metaphor. And, and, and the key there, too, you know, they say if you're not ready and willing to walk away from the table, you shouldn't be at it. Okay, so now that I know that CIO Paul bounces things off of Joe and Mary and Amy and John, I'm not going to go meet until I can get them all together. I'm not a beggar. 
I'm not a whipping boy. I don't give free consulting. I'm not a teacher. I'm a salesman. I'm going to stay in my ground until my client. So this is so where I'm getting to with the sales dog. Okay. So I, I want to close all the gaps. Okay. I got the decision makers. Hey, and you know, you wouldn't want to meet, you know, unless this is like a, a priority and, and, and you've got funds allocated for projects such as this in the next quarter, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So now, you know, he may not want to give me exact money, but I know, I know my solution starts at about 50 grand and a typical one can easily be hundred to 150 for a, a hospital of this size. Right. So I'm going to bring up that as like, is that, does that fit within the parameters? Does that totally blow your budget? No, I mean, that is a little more, but if, if the ROI is there, you know, if this, if everything you say works out, I can make that happen. Okay, cool. So boom, there's the money issue. There's the timing issue. So now I know the decision makers, you got the funds. This is a thing for the next quarter at a minimum. So the sales dog, you know, when you, when you ride on a, on a roller coaster and you get that first pull up to the top and you hear that clank, 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 Uh right? So that's called a chain dog. Wow. So what it is, it's a, it's a catch, right? So it's, it's a, it's a piece of metal that as you go up the, it's kind of like stay, it's like, like teeth on a saw, right? So it's a piece of metal as it goes over clank that, that piece of metal is, is attached to the, the car of the, of the roller coaster and the metal drops. So if the chain breaks, that's pulling you up, it's, it's going to catch. Does that make sense? So the, yes. the car, the car will only fall back an inch or two because it's never, you know, a foot or two, maybe. So it's clank, clank, clank. Uh, elevators kind of have the same thing as you're going up, right. you know, like, like, like your, your drawers, right. The, they may have a little lip, so you can't pull the whole drawer out, out of the, the cabinet. So it's that same kind of catch. So that's a chain dog. So as I, I, I was looking at it, I was like, oh, sales dog, right? I, so imagine you got the, the steps going up a, a roller coaster. Money, clank. Decision maker, clank. Timing, clank. I've, I've addressed their warranty issues, whatever, clank. Uh, you know, they, you need it, you know, within 90 days, I've confirmed with the factory supply chain, blah, blah, we can meet that clank. So now when it comes time to finally buy and all the decision makers that are there, it's within budget, we can deliver it, blah, 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 blah. You can't say no. You've eliminated objections before they even arise. This is objection free selling. I exactly it's like jujitsu, right? I don't want to get into this big headbutting match. It doesn't benefit anyone. And they'll win because they have the ultimate decision making power. Yeah, you know, if you have a good solution, I mean, both of you lose, right? You lose right. the money, they lose the That's benefit. True. Right. And so, but it's just it's just like sports. I played football, I played football at the academy. And you know, we we would study game film. Right? It's like, okay. Paul, look, man, when it's third and long, they're going to take number 88, that tall, skinny, wide receiver. They're going to put him at the wide side of the field, and he's going to run a five-yard in, and, and, and they're going to throw it. So, look, when it's third and long, Paul, you're, you're the cornerback. We're going to cheat you in a little bit. Wes, you're the linebacker. We're going to cheat you out a little bit. We're going to be cheering when it's third and long because we're going to get an interception because we've studied the game film 
We know what they're going to do. Well, we know what our prospects are going to do. If you've been in sales more than a minute, you know what's going to happen. So, so narrow it down, take control. But again, that's the science. The art is the verbiage picking right. up on, because as humans, we have, we have certain styles, but those styles can, can change based on the moment. What's going on? Like I got two kids getting married this year, right? Um, maybe I'm under more pressure. Maybe I'm more relaxed, right? Uh, the washing machine broke or I lost a big contract. Maybe I won a big contract. So my style is going to be affected based on what's going on. Maybe I'm traveling and I answer the phone. I'm about to board a plane. How do I conduct myself in that moment to make any sale? I must make every sale. Each of those matter. So how I, the questions that I ask, my tonality all shapes it. Okay. So, so, and you got to do that on the fly, unfortunately, right? Cause it's, I'm going to stack the odds in my favor, but when I call you, your, your call is forwarded, you know, and you're stuck in traffic and you're pissed off, but you have, you answer the phone. I got to pick that up and adjust. Right. This uh, <laughs> and and some of that. Recall, but this is fascinating to me. I like to sort of really unpack what talented people do because that's my background in NLP. We look at people who are really good. This is very interesting to me. It actually requires two skill sets that seem like they're contradictory, but they're actually work hand in hand, which is you're very thorough in your planning and execution, but at the same time, you have to know when to play it, when to take it as it comes and adjust to the responses that you're getting. So this is like a brilliant skill set that you can do both. Which one of those came more naturally to you? The ability to just pick up on responses and utilize them or the, or the thoroughness? Probably the, I I was always good with people. You know, I was, uh, you know, captain of the football team, captain of the basketball team. I hate you. I was the nerd. No, no girl would talk to me for under any circumstance. So, so yeah, I was, um, I was, I was bilingual, right? I was, I was captain of the football team and I was in all advanced class fourth in my class. So <laughs> I, I was with the nerds all day in class. I was with the jocks all, all afternoon in, on the sports teams. <laughs> History stamps us on the ass, but you, you, my friend had the behavioral flexibility and the brains of the balls make it work for you so i am i always like to model excellence and you've given me so much to model we we've um i don't want to take up too much more of your time but you've given me so much if you don't mind giving me like five minutes more there's more to to, is that okay what are the big sins of sales you talked about i believe that's the way you frame the question yeah talk about this talk about the seven (coughs) deadly sins of selling right one of them i i kind of mentioned was that that we see ourselves as a beggar. You see salespeople, oh, call me anytime, text me anytime. I'm always available. I'm always there for you. It's like, what the hell? Really? You think think Mark Cuban or Elon Musk or whatever, are you at their beck and call, right? Or are they at your beck and call? No. So salespeople, you need to see yourself at, as a peer, okay? Even, 
you know, Elon and Mark are, are extreme examples. But, you know, if I'm dealing with the, the CEO of a 50 person company or whatever, yeah, that's a, that's a smart person. Okay. But in my world, if they're looking at CRMs or certain technology that I'm selling. I should know more about that than he does. Yeah, you better. Right. So at least in my narrow niche, my world, I'm the expert. Okay. So I'm, I'm not an interruption to that prospect, you know, calling the CIO of a hospital. I'm not an interruption. I'm not an intrusion. Okay. I'm not a whipping boy. Uh, you know, you're going to treat me as your equal because in this realm, I'm actually your superior. I know more about this area that is affecting you. So let's just be nice to one another, play our cards on the table, see how we can work together. Okay. So make sure you're not, not a whipping boy, right? Um, you know, Annie Oakley itis. I've got to, I've got to change that. Cause as I get older, I realized younger people don't know who Annie Oakley was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. But you know, the trick shot are shooting from the hip, you know, but she, she made the trick shots look easy. Like the, the, the Harlem Globetrotters. They, they're throwing this ball over their head 10,000 times a month. Okay. It's, they're not just, that's why they make them. So take your time. You got to go through that. Um, you know, I talk about the, the Stepford salesperson, right? The Stepford wives, they were no. all robots, all the same. We can't treat every prospect the same, right? We as salespeople have to adjust how we sell to match how the prospect buys, Okay, so we've got to understand that we have to understand that um, we got to get over our hangups about money. Okay, it's the craziest thing in in America is one of the few countries that we have this problem because I've traveled the world and and you haggle in most other countries, but not in America. Right. It's we don't know how much our house costs growing up. And hey, daddy, how much is a car payment? No, so you don't have to worry about that. Mommy, how much was dinner? No, you don't have to, I got dinner. Are you paying the bill? You don't have to worry about that. And now we get into sales and we have hangups about money. You know, it's like, good grief. We, we got to get over that. You got to be comfortable talking about money, right? And make sure your alligator mouth doesn't overload your canary ass. All right. Stop making these big promises. You I love your metaphors. Excuse me, Wes. I love your metaphors. <laughs> I mean, under-promise and over-deliver, right? Ask more questions. You know, I talk about assumption malfunction. I'm not, just because you're the CIO of this hospital, I'm not going to assume you're the decision maker. Wow. Because right? a lot of times, good bosses will defer to their peers. Say, hey. Whoa, everyone needs to hear this. Please say that again so my audience gets that. Please, that's one of the best points you've made in the whole discussion. Yeah, and so, well, their peers and, and, and the people under, my good, good leaders will defer to their people, okay? They'll empower them to make the decisions. And then they'll, they'll guide it, they'll influence it. Sometimes they'll give them enough rope to hang themselves, you know, as long as it's a minor thing and to let them learn. So, but just because you're the decision maker, you know, the, the, you have the title, maybe it's three layers down. You're like, you know what? Joe, Joe is the lead technician in charge of the server room. You know, he, he's under the, our director, blah, blah, blah. You got to get their buy. You get their buy in. I'll sign off on it. Okay. 
So now I'm, I'm off to meet them. Okay, so assumption malfunction. I don't assume you're the boss. I don't assume you're the decision maker. I don't assume you have money. I don't assume you don't have money. Right? Salespeople, we talk ourselves out of so many things. Oh, well, it's, I mean, it's a rough quarter and supply chain issues and COVID and inflation and the Federal Reserve is raising rates. It's probably not a good time to get to borrow money for this capex. So don't ask. Pick up the phone and ask them. You know, so. So those are the, the seven deadly sins in, in no certain order, you know, um, but, you know, the assumptions, the worried about money, treating everybody the same, um, over-promising, shooting from the hip. I mean, you got you to gotta dial it in. You know, there are specific things, you know, you want to get better at, you, you want to run a marathon, there's a certain way to train. You want to you run in a, a triathlon, right? There's certain ways you got to train. And so, you want to make these sales? There's certain ways you got to train. And the sale will become the foregone conclusion. It is the lagging indicator. If you do everything else right, you know, Bill Walsh, you know, the old coach of the uh, 49ers back, you know, Joe yeah. Montana and winning all the Super Bowls. You know, he says, if you, if you do all the right things, all the right preparation, the score will take care of itself. Right. So it's kind of like the same thing. Like the sale is the lagging indicator. If we don't train well, we're not going to score. We're not, so we're not going to win. If we train well, we'll score. We'll stop them from scoring. We're probably going to win, right? Stack the odds in your favor, but that's all we can control. I can't force you. I can't force you to give me your money. Otherwise you'd be the IRS. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But I can, I can force myself to not eat a bunch of junk tonight, not go on a bender, get to bed early, get a good sleep so I can wake up early, wake up early, I can hit the gym, I can be clear-headed, get to my desk early, have my, my tasks, my to-do list lined up, hit it hard, you know, boom, boom, boom. I'm stacking the odds in my favor. I can control that, okay? So control what you can, and, and the rest is, is going to come out as it should. That's, this has been amazing news. I want to suggest to my audience that you watch this multiple times because you brought so much value to the table. And I like how some of it is quite contrarian to what everyone else is saying. I really try to book guests who are contrarian. That's why we call it the influencers to edge. It's edgy and on the cutting edge. And, and I love the fact that you're a precise contrarian. That I love that. A lot of contrarians are just sloppy and disagreeing. Yeah, yeah. Just disagreeing, but you're right. contrarian with precision, which I think is incredible. Right. I know there's so much more the audience could learn from you. So do you have a free press or how can they continue to receive value from you? Yeah. So I've got a free tool. So I talk about having an agenda, right? Not shooting from the hip. So, so get the, it's a, it's a short video. It's a, it's a free guide. It's a template you can take and, and just use it as you want, right? Put your own logo on it, use it to build your own, but it's, it's the salesagenda.com. Okay, so that'll take you to a landing page on my website. Go get that, study it, figure out how you can take control of each of the sales opportunities, right? And then, so when you follow an agenda, you know what's going on, but the prospect knows what's going on. When they're uncertain, oh, are they going to come in and give me a long presentation? Are they going to come in, you know, with a high quote? They're nervous and anxious the whole time. When you have an agenda, they're relaxed. Uh, you're more likely to get to the truth. And that's all I want. 
if we're not a fit, I want to know very early. Right. Hearing no early is a win. Right. I think it was Joe Navarro, the FBI negotiator who wrote the book, Never Split the Difference, who said, it's not a sin to lose a big sale. It's a sin to take a long time to lose a big sale. Yeah. You're right on target with that. I want to thank you for being uh, an amazing guest on the show. You've done me a solid by bringing so much value. You have by bringing so much value to the audience. Uh, so thank you so much. And we'll see everybody on the next hey, episode. Well, I want to remind them of one thing, though. Yes. You, you you shared your wisdom on episode 484 of the sales podcast. So they oh, need to look right. you up and, and go check that out because that was excellent. We will also make sure to put your website link in the show notes. Thank you so much, Wes. Hey, my pleasure. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack of sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on the Influencers Edge Show.